Hey, it's good to see you today. My message this morning started Thursday at the McDonald's in Hilliard, Ohio. Um, I don't know if uh, you're like me or not, but every now and then when I'm in a public place, whether it be a McDonald's or Walmart or any other public place, sometimes, not every time, obviously, and, uh, but sometimes, uh, as you observe people and see people and hear people and so forth, I'll just get the impression, I won't hear an audible voice or anything like that. I'll just get the impression, it's kind of in my spirit. It's just kind of like God says, those are Christians. And that happens to me quite frequently. Not every day, not even every week probably, but that happens to me. And so I was at the, in line at the Hilliard, Ohio McDonald's, and they didn't have one of them touch things yet. And though, praise the Lord for those touch things, man. I, I love those things at McDonald's now, but... They, um, but they didn't have one of those, so I had to go up and talk to the girl. And so, <laughs> man. And um, so as I was waiting in line, uh, this guy that God had seemed to kind of, I don't know if it's God or not, maybe it's just me, I don't know, but he's a Christian. And I, as, I, as I heard him interact with these two girls there and so forth and so on, and as his wife walked in, like she walked in like five minutes after that, they may have met there or something. I don't have any idea. But God seemed to think, hey, that guy seemed to say to me, or maybe my own spirit said to me, I don't know. Hey, I bet they're Christians. So we both got our food and, and we sat down and um, I was sitting here and he was and his family were sitting over here, you know, across the whole place from me. And I just happened to look up from my sausage McMuffin. And um, I don't usually look up from sausage McMuffins very often. Cause, but I looked up from my sausage McMuffin. And sure enough, husband and wife over there that were praying for their meal. And, yeah, it didn't really surprise me. And so here he was, the guy that I kind of sensed was a Christian. And he had held out his hand and his wife took his hand and they were praying at McDonald's just like you all do I know and and but then there was something very odd at that table as as mom and dad holding hands bowing in prayer four and eight-year-old daughters I'm guessing four and eight-year-old I don't know four and eight-year-old daughters they were just they were munching on their french fries drinking their cokes looking around mom and dad Just being four and eight-year-old girls. That's about the darndest thing I've ever seen. I mean, I just couldn't imagine. And maybe there's something to the story that I don't know. Uh, and there may be, but I know what I saw. I saw mom and dad very seriously. And they, they prayed for like 30 seconds. It wasn't just a, you know. Same bam, thank you, ma'am, kind of prayer, you know. It, they prayed for about 30 seconds, and this little girl was stuffing and playing their Happy Meal toy, and what is that? My heart broke for those little girls. I just can't imagine, because we do as a family, as I'm, I'm so sure all y'all do, we all join hands, and we bow at McDonald's, and the kids are expected, demanded, consequences if you don't. 
again, maybe there's something going on there. I don't know. I just know what I saw. And I assume, I, I'm assume, I think I'm pretty sure there were kids because in the line they were hugging all over daddy. And my heart hurt for those kids. I just, I just can't imagine why in the world would mom and dad not include four and eight-year-old daughters in their prayer. And my mind immediately went ahead 10 years to when they're 14 and 18-year-old girls and they wonder why they got problems with them and maybe they can go back to McDonald's in Hilliard, Ohio where mom and dad were exercising their religion, their faith, working out their Christianity, but we're not expecting the girls And at four, four and eight, you can expect and you can even demand, right? I, at, at a certain age, you can't do that anymore. I get that. We're not at that age. We can still, <laughs> I don't know when you get to that age, you can't do that anymore. But my heart broke for those girls. And I just said, what, what am I missing here? What is, why in the world? I'd never ever seen that. How many times I've seen plenty of families pray together in, in restaurants and McDonald's and all kinds of places. I've seen that gobs of times. You've done it. I've seen you all do it. Why? So that's where my sermon started. At McDonald's at exit 91 on I-70 West, right before you get to Columbus, Hilliard, Ohio. And so I want to preach to you this morning from a passage that you've heard preached many times and you've memorized it. You used to even sing it about 20 or 25 years ago when Sue and I first started our ministry. We would sing all the time, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house. And that, because we have so much Christian music, it's doing like Christian music does, it last a few years and goes away because we have just a plethora of Christian music nowadays. But that passage is obviously comes from Scripture. And, and Joshua is giving something of a farewell address to the leaders of the nation of Israel. And that's, that's found at the end of the book of Joshua. And that's where I'm going to take the passage from. And so he talks to the leaders of the nation of Israel, gets to the end of his talk in the 14th verse of Joshua chapter 24. Joshua, who was the leader of the nation at that time, speaking with the other leaders, and he says toward the end of his talk, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You know, I, here's what you ought to do. Here's what I think you ought to do. Well, you got to make your own call on this. You're going to make your own choice. I know you are. So you're going to do what you want to do. I tell you, not, I, I tell you not to serve those gods that you worship beyond the ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates and serve the Lord. But if you choose. To worship the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. You, you can choose to do that, I guess. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I, 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 that's pretty dramatic. I, I don't know how it was. Was he standing in front? You, you, used to the history books tell us that in that day and time when someone was given a speech, 
that they didn't, everybody else stood, and the, the one that was doing the talking was the one that was sitting. I kind of still think it ought to be that way, to be quite honest with you. But, but I don't, that's not the way it is anymore. But so was he standing and talking to these people? Was he up on some big rock and he was talking? To, I don't have any idea. But, he, but basically he says, now you need to serve the Lord in, in, with all faithfulness. And don't serve those gods that your ancestors worshipped. Your grandmas and grandpas worshipped over across the river. Now, you're going to make your own choice on this. I know you're going to make your own choice. And you're, going to, you're big guys and you're going to do what you want to. But let me tell you something. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Do you hear the responsibility in those words? <laughs> but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was taking responsibility for the spiritual nurture of his family. Y'all can do what you want to do. I tell you what you should do. Tell you what I'd like to help you do and all that kind of stuff. But I know you're big people with free will. You're going to do what you want to. But let me tell you, no matter what you do, here's what we're going to do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can, can I tell you, I, you already know this. I know you too. But can I just, part of preaching, have you realized that part of preaching is just to remind you of something you already know? I mean, because a lot of you, especially been in church all your life, you, you're hearing stuff you've heard all your life, but we need to be reminded of those kind of things, don't we? And you've heard preachers say this, and, and you guys have been to promise keepers. You've heard some promise keeper speaker say this. It is the responsibility of mom and dad to raise those kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's not anyone's responsibility. The church can assist in that. But it's not the church's responsibility. I don't send them to church to get their religious teaching. It's the responsibility of mom and dad to raise those kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to disciple those kids, to do everything humanly possible, knowing that you have the grace of God that's helping you, but to do everything humanly possible to steer your kids to heaven. Because you know what the nasty little thing we don't talk about in church all the time? My kids and your kids may not go to heaven. Oh, it gets quiet when I get that truthful, doesn't it? We think they will because we're nice little people in church ourselves. But just like Joshua said, I say to my kids, now here's, here's what we're going to do when you're in my house. When you're out of my house, you're going to do what you want to do. I can't control all your decisions. But I want you to know that when you're in my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want you, it's the deepest desire of my heart that you're three times the Christian I ever was. But also know that's your decision. And that'll be your call. And that'll be up to your will, empowered by the grace of God. But I've got to take responsibility that when those kids are young, to do everything I can humanly possible to point those kids to heaven. Everything I possibly can. And I've got to take that responsibility onto my shoulders. It's no one else's. I don't care how good the church is that you go to. I don't care how good your children's pastor is. I don't care how good the Christian videos you buy for your kids are. I don't care. It is your responsibility most, first and foremost. And I believe with all my heart that when I stand before God one day, he's going to say, Mark, those two boys... And in, and in my case, 
It's maybe even a little more dramatic than some of you who had your kids naturally because our boys were adopted. Our boys were given to us. And I just believe God's going to look and say, and say, Mark, I gave you two boys. You, you, you and Sue couldn't make them on your own. I gave you two boys. What did you do with them? He's not going to look at Xenia Church of the Nazarene and say, boy, you sure, Xenia Church of the Nazarene, you messed up with Christian. No, he's going to look at me. <laughs> he's going to look at me. And you hear that in Joshua's words. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's assuming responsibility. He's taking responsibility. He's not shucking it off on anybody else. He's not shucking it off on his, grand, on his father. Uh, you, you just go talk to my, grand, my, my dad, your grandfather. He was a, he's a godless man ever. No, he said, as for me and my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see this all the way through the Bible, that parents have the responsibility to raise their kids in a godly way and to direct them toward Jesus. Your kids will make your own decisions in life when they get older. But when you have them under your roof in your your house, at a certain age, you have control over them, okay? And you have some control even when they're out of their house because they still respect you. And you know what? You can leverage that respect. Because they have respect for you and they still don't want to let you down. And you can leverage that for the goodness of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 talks about this. What, what do we have up here? Uh, Moses speaking to the nation says, hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart the, the, the Ten Commandments were repeated in Deuteronomy. Deutros means second. Namos means law. It's the second giving of the law, Deuteron- Deuteronomy. So he, he's given the Ten Commandments again. These commandments that I give you today are be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. The Hebrew word impress literally means taking a stamp and making an image in clay. That's literally what the Hebrew word means. Get that now. The Hebrew word literally means uh, uh, taking an, uh, uh, a stamp or whatever they would have had in that day. It wouldn't have been a stamp like we would have known. But putting it into clay and making an image with that. Impress them upon your children. And let me tell you, moms and dads, what you already know, it's a whole lot easier to impress them upon your children if you do what was in the previous verse, if those commandments are in your heart. Well, pretty hard to impress them if, if you just send them to church for their church, church anity for the week. But won't you impress the Ohio State Buckeyes on their hearts? Won't you? You'll do that, won't you? Now, I'm not putting down Ohio State Buckeyes. I've been in Columbus twice this year already for home games. But how, how is it, it we impress the Buckeyes on their hearts? But we don't impress these commandments I give you today that will be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. 
Talk about them when you sit at home and walk along the way, when you lie down and, and, and when you get up and when you're in Walmart and when you're at the soccer field and when you're at Applebee's and when you're going to piano lessons and, and when you're just sitting at home and, and when you're going to see Star Wars. And It's not a Sunday morning at 1045 thing. It's a 24-7 thing. And any parent that takes responsibility for the discipleship of their kids and any parent that takes responsibility for steering their kids toward heaven, doing everything humanly possible, empowered by the grace of God, to steer your kids toward heaven, it is a 24-7 thing. Because let me tell you, if it's not 24-7, if it's only 1045 on Sunday morning, you're not doing any impressing. You're not doing any impressing. And taking responsibility is talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the way, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And that was a Hebrew tradition of taking Scripture and, and, and putting them over the door frames of their houses just to say we are the people of God. And that's a, that was cultural. No one's going out and telling you to do that today, but there's some other type of cultural thing maybe today. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them. When you sit at home and when you walk along the way, when you lie down and when you get up. And have some type of cultural traditions that are peculiar to your home, not peculiar to mine, mine are different than yours, that tell us that we are the people of God. And can I tell you something to all the guys here? What the Bible says? It's not my opinion, it's what the Bible says. And we can, we can get mad about this and we can push back on this or you can tell me how old foggy I am or all this, but I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The main responsibility falls on you fathers. And these fathers. And ladies, you don't know my heart at all if you think I've just somehow slammed you, because I haven't. And you don't understand biblical teaching if you think I've slammed you, because I haven't. And I don't have time to go hold that direction today. But when the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, wives, submit yourselves to the husbands as, as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. That's a, that's a whole month of teaching right there, but that in no way demeans the female. But for some, some reason that I don't understand and I just have to accept, God has put his fingers on us males. When Eve sinned, God went to Adam. Don't ask me to explain that. Don't ask me to even like it. I don't care if you like it or not. It's, in the, it's God's word. And I can, try to, I can try to be really cool 2018 and, 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 and water that down some, or I can tell you what the Bible says. Responsibility is on moms and dads. 
and falls more on the male than it does on the female. So don't, guys, don't let it happen like I saw it happen in the first service when people came to the altar. I saw the wife step out and grab her husband and brought him to the altar. Husband, you step out and you grab your wife's hand and you come to the altar. Church can support in all this. Church can assist in all this. But it's not the church's job to make Christians out of your little boys and girls. It's Mark and Sue's job to make Christians out of Christopher and Levi's. All the time knowing we're empowered by God's grace, giving us help through all that. Church can assist. Church can help us. Yes, yes, yes. But let me tell you, good parenting can overcome a bad church. But let me tell you this, a good church won't overcome bad parenting. It won't. It won't. That's why Moses says, talk about him when you sit at home and when you walk along the way. Because what goes on in the home is what's so absolutely critical. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. And I just hear Joshua stepping up to the plate and I said, and saying, I got this. I'm taking responsibility. I'm not shucking it off on anybody else. This is on my shoulders. And if I didn't like it, I shouldn't have had kids to begin with. But also that thing says, that verse says, as for me and my house it's it's there's unity there and you want to tell me you want, you want me to tell you how to best to have spiritual unity in the house especially spiritual unity between mom and dad is moms and dads be careful who you marry You go a long way to having a spiritually unified family if you are extremely selective on who you marry. And that's got nothing to do with blonde hair and blue eyes. Parents, when your child comes to you and they said they're falling in love with him or they're falling in love with her, the question is, Tell me about them spiritually. Or even when you heard they were dating, tell me about him spiritually. Where's he at spiritually? Do his parents, did his parents go to church? Now, going to church doesn't mean a whole lot, but at least you know something. But instead we talk about, well, what is he treat you good? And all that's important. But you know the number one thing? Are you spiritually compatible? But we talk about what kind of father they'll be or what kind of degree they have or what kind of job they're going to get or what all those other things that are well and good without asking the most important question is, is he born again? And that question is not asked till, you, when, till daughter comes home and, and tells mom and daddy that she wants to marry. And that question is asked on the first date because dating is no arena for evangelism. Evangelism. 
You just don't hang out in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship with someone that you're not spiritually compatible with because the end result won't be good. And I can have in first or second service, I can have people stand up and tell you the problems of being spiritually incompatible. And every church has got them. I heard somebody say the other day, I, I asked this question to somebody the other day. I said, well, why did she marry him in the first place? And the response was, well, she was 21 and she, she was worried she wasn't going to find anybody to marry. What? <laughs> what? Second Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14 says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, that doesn't mean I'm rude to unbelievers. That doesn't mean that at work that I don't aren't friends with unbelievers. That doesn't mean, that means that I'm not yoked with unbelievers. And yoking has application in marriage. Yoking has application in who you go to, into business with. Yoking has application on who you're close friends with. Now, I may be close friends with someone in an effort to to win them to the Lord, but I'm talking close friends as far as heart friends, as they give me advice friends. I lean on them for advice friends. Those people you must be spiritually and equally yoked with. (laughs) As for me... And my house. And you go a long way from being a spiritually unified home when you are extremely, extremely snobbish on who you date and who you marry. And I mean that word. I said that word. You're almost, I'm not, I'm not going to yoke myself in any way with anyone that is not spirit I'm spiritually yoked with. Oh, maybe he'll become a Christian. Well, maybe Santa Claus is real too, okay? And there's plenty of cases, I know there's plenty of cases where a guy became a Christian in the I know that. I know that. I know that. But don't do it, girls. I know there's a chance it may work out. But you're disobeying God's word. If you become spiritually yoked with an unbeliever. And that's how you have a unified family. Oh, you can do other things, but man, you want to go three-fourths of the way there? But when you walk down that aisle, both of you know where each other is with the Lord. And not just both of you know where each other is with the Lord. You've had conversations about it. You talked about it when you sit at home and when you walk along the way and when you lie down and when you get up and you read the Bible together and you pray together. How could you ever marry someone that you've never had prayer with? And I don't want to be mad, but I see too much of this in the counseling room. And you want me to fix it. And I can't. I can't. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
You hear determination in those words? I do. Y'all can do what you want to do. You can go serve the gods on the, your, of your ancestors over beyond the Euphrates if you want to. You can do that. But you know what? As for me and my house. You know, the world can go to hell in a handbasket if it wants to. But as for me and my house, we will serve. I, I hear determination in those words. And whether it's in a spiritual realm or secular realm, I know very little in life that is a greater characteristic for your success in life than you to be doggedly determined and persistent and will not take no for an answer. When I was a basketball coach, you give me an athlete that was that, had that kind of an attitude, you give me an athlete who had that kind of attitude, I'll take him over a more talented one that did not have all of that ability to grit his teeth and just say, I'm just going to figure out a way to get it done. He didn't have that part, I'll take this other one, less talented person that just grits his teeth and says, I'll get it done. Just doggedly determined. And part of that determination has to be, you know why Sue didn't get married till she was almost 30? And it's not because some hot hunk didn't come along like me. It would, that wouldn't have anything to do with it at all. It's because some Christian guy never came along. And at 50 years old today, she'd still be single. And that takes, that, that, that takes a great, great love for the Lord, a great desire to be obedient to him, and a desire to please him all over all others. You remember um, uh, Solomon? The Bible says Solomon had a lot of wisdom, but he sure didn't show it when he had to deal with women. Right? Do you, you know the story? You need to read your Bibles. There's a lot of good stuff in there, okay? First, first Kings chapter 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. Now, foreign women doesn't mean a Japanese girl, okay? That, that's not what we're talking about. Okay, a foreign woman was a woman outside the people of Israel, outside the people of God. That would have been a foreign woman. So King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. He just loved all God's women. I mean, Pharaoh's daughters, Moabites and Ammonites and Edomites and Sidians and Hittites and all of them. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon did what he wanted to do. And so if, you, if you know anything about Solomon's reign, it, 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 it should have been a whole lot better. But the women, his choice of foreign women, using God's words here, brought him down. Do not be unequally yoked. Well, maybe the good can overcome the bad. Well, no. I'm an old basketball coach. When we went on the road, we, we roomed. Some people say, well, let's, this is a bad kid over here. He's going to want to sneak out. Let's room a good kid with him, and maybe that good kid will have a, um, a good impression on the bad kid. If any coach thinks like that, he's a rookie coach, and he's never been on a road trip before, okay? You room the good kids over here all together, and you room the bad kids that you're going to have to worry about sneaking out over here because you know where to put the guards at night, Okay? 
But if you room the good kids with the bad kids, you know what happens when, when you're talking about young kids, 16 to 20 years old? The bad overcomes the good every time. They're not strong enough to resist it. My boys aren't. You can't deal with the peer pressure. That's one of the reasons your choice of schools and high schools and college are so important because those kids are going to affect your kids so much. And they're not strong enough to withstand it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It takes a dogged determination. Every now and then, Sue will say to me, how many times do I have to tell Le- Levi, you're not here today, are you? Are you here today? All right, okay, Levi, you talk to somebody else right here. He, how many times will I have to tell Levi? Fill in the blank, whatever you want to say there. And I say, as many times as it takes. Because kids are little boogers. I see, I see all you parents put pictures of your kids and how great kids they are. My kids are little boogers. I don't know about yours. My kids will get away with whatever I let them get away with. If I turn my back on those kids or if I just ease up a little bit, they'll be going the wrong direction really quick, right? Right? But I have to be doggedly determined and persistent to say, no, that's not the way we go. No, that's not the way we... Didn't I tell you that three times yesterday? No. And they're just waiting for me to get tired of saying no. But you know what? I'm going to beat them. I'm going to beat them. They're not going to wear me down. And that's how determined you have to be to point your kids toward heaven. Because the world is no friend of grace. And the world that we send them out into is no friend of grace. And they'll come home with ideas they didn't get in your house. And you can throw your hands up and say, well, that's just what they get at the high school. And that is, or you can get at home and you can do what you can to turn that stinking thinking around into godly thinking. And said, that's not who we are in this house. And that takes determination. That's not easy. I can remember Levi was about three. Y'all, I tell, I tell stories about Levi all the time. You think, doesn't think that Christopher ever does anything wrong. He's a little booger too. I mean, he, <laughs> and he's even more of a little booger sometimes than, than, than Levi is. Because Levi just, he's, he's, he's out there and, the, and he's just all out there with his, with his boogerness. And Christopher... <laughs> Christopher, he's sly about it, you know. He, 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 he's, he's sly about it. It's a, I remember Levi was about three, and we were in Dairy Queen or someplace like that. And Levi just threw a fit like three-year-olds do. And he just wouldn't, he just threw a fit. And it, was, and it got people on this side couldn't eat, and people on this side of us couldn't eat, and I wasn't going to ruin their meal. But I just, they just brought me my meal. Now, I could have just said, oh, you know, you know, kids are kids. No, I grabbed him and I put him in the car and I sat in the car with him and I didn't eat my meal because I had to teach him a lesson. He wasn't going to beat me. Him learning that lesson was more important than me eating my meal. And he learned a lesson that day that when dad says be quiet, he means be quiet. Even if it means dad's going to have to sacrifice his meal. 
That's determination. That's persistent. I'm not patting myself on the back. I don't know anything about parenting. I'm just a redneck from 423 Wood Street, Maysville, Kentucky. I don't know anything about parenting. It's just common sense. You've got to hang in there with them. Because they'll push you. And not only will they push you, the world pushes you. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. I like the way the Phillips translation says it. Don't let the world squeeze you into their mold. That's what the world's trying to do to you. It's what the world's trying to do to you. It's what the world's trying to do to my boys right here. They're trying to squeeze them into their mold, and by golly, I won't let them do it. They're just not going to do it. It's going to be over my dead body. When they, leave the, when they leave my house and get out on their own and they move to Timbuktu, I won't be able to be on them as much anymore. And they're going to make their own decisions. But when they're under my house and I have responsibility on them, I know one day I'm going to stand before God and God's going to want to know, Mark, what did you do with those two boys I gave you? And I want to say I did everything humanly possible to point them to you. And I just don't say, well, I just got tired and worn down and and, and just the world, just, I just couldn't, I couldn't fight the world anymore. Don't let the world squeeze you into their mold. You know, when I grew up, it's like some of you that are over 40. You know, I can remember, this was even back in the early 90s when I was head basketball coach at North Vermilion High School in, in uh, Cayuga, Indiana. We used to not have um, our junior high games, any, act, any sports activities on Wednesday nights. For obvious reasons. That was, that was 1993. That's not that long ago. But now they're playing soccer right now. And I mean to be mad because it makes me mad. They're playing soccer now. The world is squeezing you into its mold. And I know, parents, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I get it. It's hard. I get it. It's, they want to play soccer. You want them to play soccer. They want to do gymnastics. You want them to. I know. I, it's hard. And we all got to make our own decisions. But I'm, the principle is, whether it's Sunday morning activities or Wednesday night activities or any kind of activities, don't let the world squeeze you into its, its mold. Resist it. And you've got to be doggedly determined and persistent to do that because the world will beat you down. The world will beat you down. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I just hear responsibility dripping from those words. And gentlemen, the main responsibility is yours. It's your job to reach your hand out and take your wife's hand in prayer. And if you don't know how to do that, ooh, wife, why did you marry him in the first place? Can that man pray? Can that man pray with me? Can that man lead me spiritually? Should be at the top of the list for any single female that's looking for a husband. 
I've called on some of our Christian teens to pray. I, you know, I just put them on the spot. I just say, hey, will you pray? And they'll look at me like. <laughs> you know what that tells me? Their parents haven't taught them to pray. My boys know how to pray because they've been. Levi took, Christopher took Levi's hand in the crib and spoke some gibberish. We thought he was speaking in tongues or something, but he spoke some gibberish. And why did he do that? Because he saw mom and dad do that and because we asked him to do that. And if you start it young, it's no big deal when they're 15 and 13. They'll just pray. But if, it's hard if you start when they're 15. But if you bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, man, they don't know any different. Oh, Mark, you, you know. You ought to be more sensitive than this. Why should I be more sensitive than this? Oh, you know, you know, you, you need to be, you know, you need to be more understanding. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. This is life and death, heaven and hell stuff. And I think part of the problem that we have. And some of our parents that won't take responsibility spiritually, it's I don't think they think it's a heaven or hell problem. I think they think they're just kids. Kids will somehow be grandfathered into heaven, and they're good kids, so they'll make it to heaven. No, they're not good. They won't make it to heaven because they're good kids. They'll only make it to heaven if they've been born again. It broke my heart. to see mom and dad hold hands and pray and their kids not being asked to join in. Well, maybe, Mark, they were asked to be. You're being awful judgmental, Mark. You know how you are. Y'all read your Facebook post. You know how judgmental you are. Da, 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 da. <laughs> maybe, maybe they tried to hold their hands and their kids didn't. Oh, well, then there's consequences, and we just leave McDonald's right away. I don't care if I'm starving for that sausage McMuffin or not. Kids will not do what you tell them to do. Kid, Sue doesn't like me to use this word because it has bad connotations, but I, I'm, I'm just not going to tiptoe around it. And she's right, and, and she's, she says some of you all take this wrong, but I, I, this, is, this is true. Kids won't do what you tell them to do. Kids will do what you demand they do. And she said, that word demand sounds, and I know it does, but it's true. Kids won't do what you tell them to do. They'll do what you make them do. I learned that as a basketball coach. Learned that as a basketball coach. The, the kids, they'll, they'll, they'll do what you tell them to do and what you make them do. And if they don't do it, you got to sit them down on the bench. And you put them back in the game, they still won't do it. You sit them down for the rest of the game. Oh, then daddy will come to me and get mad at me. I don't care. Determined, persistent to raise Christian kids because heaven or hell is at stake here. It really is. And there'll be a time when my boys are out of my house and I no longer can demand. I, I know that. I no longer can make them. I, I don't hold, I won't have the, uh, I can't ground them anymore or send them to their room or take their phone away or take their iPad away, whatever. You know, I won't be able to do that anymore. But you know what? To the day I die, they're always going to hear from their dad. 
they will always hear from their dad and he'll always tell them what they think, what I think. They may not do it, but I love them too much to keep my mouth closed. As for me and my house, I know this is not easy. I know it's not. And I know it's not two plus two. I know two plus two doesn't equal four on this. And what I mean by that is, is parents that do everything they can to raise their kids in the right way doesn't 100% guarantee that that kid's going to walk in that way. I know that's true. I know that. It, 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 it goes a long way to get them there. I know that. Doesn't 100% guarantee. But here's what I found with 22 years of pastoring and 14 years of working with kids before in, in coaching and teaching, the acorn doesn't fall too far from the tree. It just doesn't. So when I was sitting in Ruby Tuesdays the other day and the mom across from me had some fruit to hand to her little girl and the girl, mm, mm. French fries, that's what she wanted. Mm, no, no, you're going to have, you're going to have fruit. You can have French fries after you have fruit. No, 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 no. It's just throwing a fit. And um, mom gave in to her. My mind goes ahead 10 years when she's given into a 13-year-old. Oh, it's hard not to give in to them. You may have to pick them up and walk them out. They may have to go without a meal that time, but they're going to learn that I care enough about them. I care enough about them to demand some things from them. And the most I care about is their eternal destination which on this earth I have the most responsibility for. Our servers are coming to the table. This message can bring condemnation. I know it can. And I guess I'm not sorry if it does. I'm I'm just laying the truth out there. We've got to get this right, friends. We've got to get this right because the success of our church in the next centennial has to do with how strong our families are. How strong our families are. And strong family units have a mom and dad who take responsibility, who are united and equally yoked and are doggedly determined to point their kids toward heaven. And they may not be 100% successful in that, but they're going to die trying. Even at that deathbed, if I still have words in my mouth, I want to make sure my boys know and I can look up and say, is it all right between you and the Lord? Because what better words for me to say as I'm going out of this world than look to Jesus, who told us to look to him, who told us to look to him. Yes, in his teaching, but mostly on the cross that covers all of our failings, all of our sin, all of our inadequacies as parents, 
Every single one of them is covered by the blood of Jesus on the cross. But also that blood of Jesus is a power that enables you to step up to the plate and be the type of Christian that guides your kids to heaven. Father, I I thank you for divinely putting that family in McDonald's in Hilliard, Ohio. Because I think you, you needed to get something in my spirit and so I could get it out to these people. Father, I know this is a hard message. And may everything I say be covered by mercy and grace that you have. But may we step up to the plate as parents and lead our kids to Jesus. Do everything humanly possible to lead them to Jesus. Father, may we lead them to Jesus as much as we want them to be Buckeye fans. May we pass on a love for Jesus. That's so more important than passing on a love for the Buckeyes. Help us as parents to know that the acorn doesn't fall too far from the tree. Now, Father, if I've said these words too rough, if I've been a Pharisee and a legalist and all of that, you know that's not in my heart. I just know that this needs to be said. And I pray you'd honor my words today in the lives of these parents and these grandparents that maybe need to say something to their kids as well. In Jesus' name.